I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, grassland researcher Deirdre Hennessy explains with 40% less nitrogen, you can still maintain grass production and increase milk solids per cow in the region of 30 kilos. And I started by asking her about the benefits of white clover use for this system. Okay, so white clover is a legume, which means it can fix clover, uh, nitrogen and make it available for plant growth. And I suppose that's one of, if we think of sustainability, that's one of the, the key areas. If we have nitrogen available within the system, then we don't need to apply extra fertilizer nitrogen. So the other main benefit of having clover in your swarge is that it's a high quality feed. It's higher quality than perennial ryegrass. So that brings up the overall quality of the diet. Um, and say, for example, this time of the year when perennial ryegrass starts to go stemmy, white clover content in the sward is starting to increase. And if we compare the quality of a grass only or a mixture of grass only and white clover at this time of the year, we will see that the quality of the mixed sward is higher. So in terms of for the farmer, what that means is that they're less likely to suffer a big drop in protein in their milk. They may still get some drop, but it'd probably be to a lesser extent. So I suppose overall, the, the two main advantages of having white clover are that it's high quality feed and it maintains that quality through the season. Um, and also it fixes nitrogen so we can apply less fertilizer nitrogen. So, so delve into that. Um, we'll, we'll pick up on, on all those points that you've made, Deirdre. In terms of fixing nitrogen, you've done some research in Park yep. on that. Can you talk us through, I suppose, what you looked at and, yep. and the results? Yeah. So I suppose we started off a few years ago with plot type studies, but they were grazed. So we had big plots. They were eight metres by eight metres. And we looked at a whole range of fertiliser application rates on those zero all the way up to 240 kilos per hectare per year. And we compared grass only versus grass clover swords. And we found that we got an increase in herbage production once we had clover in the sward, regardless of the fertiliser application rate. Um, and based on our calculations in terms of the amount of nitrogen that fit was fixed, um, it went from about 50 kilos at the high nitrogen application rate up to uh, about 200 kilos at the low nitrogen application or the no nitrogen application rate. So I suppose the trend in general is that the higher the nitrogen application rate, the lower the quantity of nitrogen fixed. Um, and then we've we've um, completed a, a four year study where we've looked at grass only swards getting 250 kilos of nitrogen as our baseline type system and then we've had a system with grass clover getting 250 so only difference there is that we had clover added to the sward and then we had a third treatment where we had uh, grass clover and we reduced nitrogen input to 150 kilos and we ran all those systems at 2.74 cows per hectare so we had the same stocking rate and we imposed the same grazing management rules so same rotation length same post-grazing sward height, same target pre-grazing herbage mass and so on. So the only differences were whether we had or didn't have uh, clover in the system or the rate of fertiliser applied. And I suppose what's really interesting in this is for four years under cow grazing, so full grazing season, February to November, um, we found that we grew the same amount of herbage or the same amount of grass regardless of the fertiliser rate. So really what that's telling us that at, uh, in a in a 
uh, well-managed grass clover sward, we can reduce our nitrogen input by 100, 100 kilos per hectare because that extra 100 kilos going from 150 to 250 didn't bring us any benefits in terms of, of grass growth. And I mean, across, like I say, for your example, your 40 hectare farm, that's a huge economic benefit. Absolutely. You know, in terms of cost savings. Absolutely. And and just to, I suppose, um, reiterate something you said in your plot study where you were spreading between zero and 240 kilos mm-hmm. of N. If I've picked you up correctly, where you spread no nitrogen, you fixed 200 kilos of N? Yeah, on average. So one year it was nearly 300 kilos. Another year it was slightly below 200. But yeah, on average across the years we were fixing about 200 kilos. So where you're spreading a low level of nitrogen, say a low level or no nitrogen and you have clover inclusion, your clover is working very hard and is creating and fixing its own nitrogen. So basically the grass and the clover in the sward have a... Uh, I suppose, a complementary relationship. So first of all, clover fixes nitrogen through bacteria, which are in the in the roots, in the nodules in the roots. Um, and the bacteria use energy, which is comes from the clover through photosynthesis, so carbon for energy. Um, and then it fixes the nitrogen and it makes that available in and around the root area. So the clover has the uses that nitrogen for growth, but so too can the um, the grass. So they complement each other in the in the sward. Um, but you do need a reasonable quantity of clover in the sward. So we would be saying you probably need somewhere around twenty percent on average across the year, and that would be. In our studies, we would have seen in or around that um, or even higher. Um, And if we look at some older scientific work, uh, around 20% would be the guideline to get a benefit of clover in terms of herbage production. When we consider that, you know, spreading less nitrogen, you know, from an environmental perspective, that's a a big positive. You know, talk through the environmental benefits of this type of system. Okay, so... um, we have looked at the nitrogen use efficiency, for example, of the f- applied fertilizer from the, the systems I mentioned earlier, the grass 250, clover 250 and clover 150. And we see that the nitrogen use efficiency is similar enough in the clover 250 and the grass 250 in terms of we're buying in the same amount of fertilizer, we're buying in the same amount of concentrate and our nitrogen going out is in milk is more or less the same. We've slightly uh, more going out in the clover 250 because we produced a bit more milk solids on those. Uh, I know we haven't discussed that yet. But on the clover 150, we've found that our end use efficiency was much higher because that fertilizer that we were buying in, it was 100 kilos less. We were still growing the same amount of grass and we were still selling um, the same amount of milk. So we're improving the whole... um, the use of the applied fertilizer. Now, there is still going to be nitrogen in the system because it's been fixed. Um, and if um, if we're fixing surplus nitrogen to what we need for grass growth, you know, that can potentially be lost uh, through leaching the same as fertilizer. So it's basically the soil doesn't mind where the nitrogen comes from. If it's surplus and it, and it can be leached, it will potentially be leached. But there are other benefits in terms of sustainability as well around spreading less fertilizer because you have, you know, all the energy that's consumed in tr- in manufacturing, transporting, 
um, and spreading that nitrogen is also removed from the system. So if you were to, I suppose, look at a kind of a at a life cycle level or a carbon footprint level, you are going to see an impact there as well. Um, and we are going to, to look at that as well. If we think about, say, clover, what is the use on farms? Relatively small. Um, I suppose there's a lot of interest now in the clover work because are using clover on farms. So we've shown here in Moor Park that we can successfully keep clover in the sward for six, seven years after sowing without any requirement to oversow. Um, in Clonakilty, we've also shown very positive results in terms of increase in herbage mass when they have clover in the sward and, and also increase in milk solids production. So like there are clear benefits for farmers, but I suppose the overall uptake of it Farmers are a little bit slow. They're probably, to take it up, they're probably a little bit nervous of it. There are a number of farmers who have started to use clover in their systems and are very happy with it. And I think, you know, a lot of it's about confidence and farmers, you know, it, you know, anything that a farmer has to change, they have to be sure that they're that they're going to get a benefit of that change, which is perfectly understandable because it's it's their business. So you don't make changes in a business unless you've confidence in that change. But I think we have we've we have a good bit of research done now to show that we can get clover to persist. So, you know, that's one thing farmers will say to us. Asher, ah, once we put it in, it'll be gone once we start to put a bit of fertilizer on it. But we've shown that that's not the case in well-managed swords. And I suppose the other thing that farmers are nervous with is bloat. Bloat can be a problem. Um, you're probably well aware of that, Emma Louise, that, you know, farmers are nervous. Again, if you have one cow, if you lose a cow from bloat, well, you know, that's a big knock to your business. And, so. I, and I think, you know, that's a really good point and uh, and something that um, it's great to discuss. You know, the yeah. a, the average farm size in Ireland is, is in and around the 80, 90 cows. So as you say, that's a big blow to the business. Yes. Um, I suppose, have you experienced bloat here? And yeah. what are the factors to... Yeah, so the first few years we were doing the, the clover grazing studies, we didn't have any problem with bloat. But a, couple, a few, maybe four years ago, we had a big issue with bloat. Um, so that year had been quite mild spring and there was a lot of clover in the swards. Um, we had one paddock in particular that had a lot of clover and that was the paddock where we had the problem. So I suppose, you know, we had to take stock and, and see how we'd manage it because obviously, you know, losing a cow is, you know, that's that bit gone out of the business. So we've put together some guidelines on, on things that we do and that work very well. And I suppose the other precaution we do is we do... In times of high clover content, we put bloat oil in the water. So I suppose that's an insurance policy. Um, but the other things we do are, so what causes, why cows get bloat on clover is when cows go into a paddock of grass and clover, they tend to preferentially graze the clover. It's If, if you ever went into the field and took a fist of grass and a fist of clover, you'll notice the clover is much softer than the grass. So there's less fibre in it and it's easier for the cows to eat. So I suppose it's like giving them a buffet and, and leaving them pick what they want out of it and they'll choose a nice bit first. Um, and if you do go into a clover field, you tend to see that, you know, there's patches of clover or grazed and the grass all around it is still there. So one of the things that you can do to minimise bloat is, you know, uh, control the amount of, of grass or the area of the paddock you're giving them. So let's first go through kind of the perfect storm for clover is you've high clover content, your cows are hungry going into the paddock and it's very wet. So 
I've already said, you know, the way clover is uh, softer than the grass, so it's a higher, uh, sorry, a lower dry matter. There's more, more uh, liquid in it. Um, if the cows don't eat enough uh, fibre, if they don't have fibre going into the rumen, they have this frothy bloat builds up in the rumen um, and then the cows can't um, get rid of the gases and that's what causes them to swell. So you need some fibre going in there as well. So if you can restrict the area, give them for a couple of hours just to make them eat grass as well as clover, they're getting a mix of fibre and um, from the grass and then they have the clover going in. So that helps. Uh, the other thing is make sure your cows aren't very hungry going into a clover paddock. So, you know, they shouldn't be grazing below four centimetres. If they are, they're probably, uh, they're probably fairly hungry going into the next paddock. So try and manage that as best you can. Um, and then if, again, if it's a very wet morning and there's a lot of clover, the dry matter of, of what they're eating is going to be low. Again, maybe just give them a little bit less to start with. Um, and then once they have some grass and clover in consumed, uh, they could have the rest of the paddock. And then, as I said, we do put bloat oil in as a precaution. Um, just to pick up in terms of the controlled area or not giving them the full allocation. Yeah. Just talking about a simple strip wire there. Is that yes, what you're talking exactly, about? Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, I know it's an extra job, but it's not a job you're going to have to do on many mornings. It's, you know, it's the odd morning in the year uh, when you may have an issue. Um, and I think farmers are, are good themselves. You know, they, they pick up fast enough when they think there might be issues around animal health or things like that. So... Once they get a feel for what's in their paddocks, they'll know if they think there might be an issue. But really, your biggest issue will be if the cows are very hungry going in and they go in and they gorge on the, on the clover. If we turn our attention to, I suppose, animal performance, yeah. um, like, you know, you've given us a good background now into your plot studies and yeah. your your um, your experiment with the varied levels yeah. of, say, nitrogen spread in a system. Yeah. What sort of performance did you see from that? Yeah, so um, so as I mentioned, we have four years of that grazing study done. And in that, we found that uh, our grass clover swords, the cows on those, produced um, 33 kilos extra milk solids per cow per year. So then um, depending on your stocking rate, you can multiply that up. So at our stocking rate, it was around 91 kilos of milk solids per hectare. And that is with the same amount of concentrate supplementation. Yes, exactly. Same 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 concentrate supplementation. Yeah. And concentrate fed in the first rotation and a little bit in the last rotation. So on average we fed around I think around 400 kilos across the four years. And I suppose overall milk solids then for the grass clover you mentioned it's 33 kilograms higher than say a grass only yeah so they're comparable so we set this up as an experiment so we had comparable cows in each group so same herd profile same um the cows are randomized according to their milk solids yield at the start of the first two weeks post calving so calving date parity and and first two weeks milk solids um so the cows are very comparable in terms of the experiment and you're saying the the quality of the clover plant as a feed when we compare it to our um, our perennial ryegrass yeah. type sward yeah. is the difference and it's the driver it's one of the drivers and the other driver is that cows on grass clover tend to have a slightly higher intake than cows on grass only the reason being so when the cow eats 
whatever she eats, it goes into the rumen and it has to be processed through the rumen. So if she's eating something that's bulky with a lot of fibre, which, for example, at this time of year when swords are going stemmy, um, it restricts the amount she can take in because it has to be processed through the rumen. If you're eating something like clover that's easily break, broken down because there's less fibre in it, it moves through the f- rumen faster. So the cow has a greater capacity to eat more. So the the benefits and or the increase in milk solids is coming from um, uh, an inta- an increase in intake of maybe one kilos one kilo of dry matter per cow probably from June onwards or July onwards until September October plus uh, the higher quality particularly in the mid season. And in terms of quality, can you give a breakdown in what you mean? So uh, the grass clover swords tend to have lower uh, fibre content, which results in a higher digestibility of the sward. And we also have, tend to have a higher crude protein content at certain times of the year. Having said that, crude protein wouldn't be a big driver because our our um, pasture-based systems tend not to lack in in protein anyway. We usually have, they usually have enough uh, protein um, to meet the cow, cow's requirement. And I guess you know, finally, Deirdre, you've touched on the, um, the issue of bloat mm-hmm. and that being quite a big limitation mm-hmm. for some farmers mm-hmm. and, and a barrier to getting into it. I suppose another um, limitation would be spring growth. And you've mentioned this. And I guess, you know, we're, we're in a situation now where on farms we're focusing primarily on spring calving yep. systems and we're improving our six-week calving rate every yep. week. So we're climbing and the yes. average is, say, in the mid to late 60s now. Yep. So we need grass in the spring. Yeah. Yep. What what is the situation? How are you managing that in a glass grass clover situation? Yeah, so we are seeing a slight reduction in herbage supply in the spring. Okay, there's a year effect. We wouldn't find any any effect this year. It's been a good year all around. But I suppose the reason we see slightly um, lower herbage production or grass growth over winter and early spring on grass clover swords is. Perennial ryegrass grows at about five degrees soil temperature, whereas um, white clover needs a, a soil temperature of about eight degrees. So obviously it takes the soil a little bit longer to get to that. And if you know, if you look at your swards in the spring, grass clover swards, there is going to be a bit of clover there, but a lot of it's below four centimetres. So it's not contributing to what the cows, what's available for the cows to eat. So how we're getting around it basically is uh, we feed some bale silage to the milking cows. So um, based on our calculations, it's about an extra bale per cow. Um, to get over the spring. But again, there's variation within that. And any strategies to maintain a higher farm cover late in the autumn, will that carry through? Uh, potentially. We haven't really looked at that, um, Louise, to be honest. Um, I suppose the only, only I suppose, word of warning about carrying a, a high cover is Clover doesn't like to get shaded out in the sward and there is a risk probably that if you carried very high covers that you would damage the stolon content or the stolon mass in the sward negatively. So because of shading, you would lose um, some stolon mass or you'd you'd reduce this, the stolon's capacity to grow and reproduce and that's how the clover persists in the sward. So as it stands, we, we haven't looked at altering autumn management. We still start closing around the 10th of October and we we follow the targets then um, 
uh, with 66% closed, 70% closed at the end of November and the remainder by by the start of December. Um, and again, same same spring rotation plan, general rules in the spring. And, and just to finish up with that um, extra bale of silage per cow, when have you seen practically you've put that in? Is that February, March, April you're inputting that silage? Uh, probably March. Um, not really April, no. We haven't really had... Generally, we find once the swards are gro- grazed, they grow at the same rate as the grass clover. So your pinch point with the clover... Is, clover yeah, end of February, potentially start of March. March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, if you're following your spring rotation planner, you know, and you know what herbage you have available to graze on a day... If you don't have enough, you have to you have to supplement with silage at that stage. So finally, just to recap, Deirdre, have you to, uh, say a top three tips for dairy farmers who are thinking about including clover in their swords? Yeah, and I suppose this is probably one we actually haven't discussed. But if you want to go a clover system, you really need to have clover in all your paddocks. Okay, because if you don't, you're swapping in and out of clover, no clover, um, and you know you're, you're, it's a bit dicey because you might be running into bloat problems. Uh, second top tip is to graze your sward well, swards well. So follow just the normal grazing management rules. Uh, graze tight in the first and last rotation down to three and a half centimetres. Um, and if possible, obviously depends on weather and soil and so on. And then for the main season, post-grazing sward height of uh, four centimetres, 18 to 21 day rotations, pull out your surpluses as bales. Um, and the last one then is you can reduce your fertiliser nitrogen. Um, I wouldn't be advising to reduce it specifically in the spring because as we discussed, Emma-Louise, there is a pinch point there in the spring in terms of of growth because of the lower temperature at which clover grows. So it would be in probably May, June, July, um, August time is when you can reduce your fertiliser. That's great. Thank you, Deirdre. Thanks, Emma-Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Deirdre Hennessy for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.